familiar portion of scripture. This is my first Christmas text, but I believe the Lord's given me a specific word for this house today. Uh, maybe an uncommon look into the Christmas story, but I believe it'll be a very common experience for us. Luke 2, 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And we've been taxed ever since. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were all afraid. And the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is to come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a, what? Manger. When they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they'd heard and seen, and it was told unto them. You may be seated this morning. Many prophecies concerning Christ the Lord. Genesis 22 said he would come from the seed of Abraham. Isaiah 7 said he would be born of a virgin. Micah 5 said he would be born in Bethlehem and come from the tribe of Judah. Jeremiah 23 reminded us he would come through the lineage of King David, not just being the king of Israel, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 72 tells us that he would be worshiped by shepherds and brought gift by kings. But it's strange what was missing. And please don't feel I'm making light of the Christmas story, but I want to narrow, if you can imagine a lens, a camera lens, instead of panning out, pan in, narrow, 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 narrow. Here's Joseph, whose wife has came to him recently and said, uh, I am pregnant, but I haven't been with another man. And Joseph's like, what? No, seriously. The Holy Spirit overshadowed me and I've conceived of the Lord. Might we just say that was a mighty difficult time for Joseph and just leave it at that. So the nine months of everyone casting their eyes and opinions about them, I doubt that many of them believed that Mary had been faithful and was a virgin, but nonetheless, they come to this place and scripture prophesies of where they would be. Scripture prophesied of how she would become 
Scripture prophesied of the city, of the lineage, of all these things. No mention of the hotel thing, though. No mention of going to an inn and there being no place. Mary's having contractions. Have you ever felt like in your life with all the things God's given you and all the scripture he's given you and all the guidance he's given you that he just left some key things out? Have you ever felt that way that he could have just put in there and when you get there, there's not going to be room for you? It's those closed doors, those unexpected shifts in life that if you're not careful can cause you to be offended with the Lord. John the Baptist, who had stood on the banks of the Jordan and declared, that one right there is the Son of God. That's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the one. That's Messiah. No doubt about it. He must increase and I must decrease. And then when prison showed up, which wasn't mentioned, with all of God's utterances to him and through him, no mention of this jail. He's standing in a little prison cell and he told his disciples, go ask Jesus, is he really he or should we look for another? I'm like, what? I'm not even sure if he's the one. And maybe there's someone here this morning that you are following a star and you found a stable. You just didn't see this chapter coming. You didn't see this thing ahead of you, following the Lord, but finding a stable. Most of the time of my Christian journey, when I've heard people preach on the scripture, no room, they always talk about no room in your heart for Jesus. But I'd like to flip that this morning and remind you that not only did what Christ do for you was historical, he showed you a vague blueprint of your life. You're going to be rejected by people. You're going to be filled with power. You're going to experience the highs and lows of life. You're going to come to places like Mary and Joseph where the door just shuts for you. And for those specific people this morning, I pray that this morning's message is so liberating and so filled with joy because if God grants you perspective you'll see that God has not only not left you, but he is leading you along the best pathways for your life. Let's pray together. Father, I just ask you this morning over the next few moments that you give me the capacity to speak with such a clarity and anointing that your word would be first and foremost. Lord, if our guests that are with us today long, I couldn't care less if they leave the building and forget my name, but if they might leave saying today, I heard the word of the Lord for my life. We count it a great joy and success. Be glorified in the preaching of this word this morning, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. What I mean by closed doors is not just closed doors of opportunity, but any door that you come to where you're expecting one thing and it's denied you. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is closed doors in a Christian life are common. They're common occurrence, yet they can still surprise you and negatively affect you. What do you think it felt like? Men, enter into this emotionally with me. You've got your wife who says she's conceived of God. This child is not yours, but it's going to be yours because an angel has assured you that this is 
Mary is telling the truth. And you come to a place and you just want to get your wife out of the elements. What did it feel like if it was your wife about to give birth and she's having contractions and they say, not only there's no room, but there's no room for you. Variety of emotions, mixture of emotions. See, you're gonna, you're gonna experience places where there's no room, even though you're in the will of God. Might we all agree that Mary and Joseph were in the will of God? And you, you, either you hear it preached, you've heard it said, you've heard it sung, or you just feel like if I'm doing right, every door opens. And sometimes it doesn't. Every womb doesn't open. Every thing doesn't just move because we're in the will of God. No room in a place that was designed to be a room. Here they are at a motel, wife giving birth and there's no room. And on the other side of this door, all these rooms, let me go one better for that person that really knows the Lord's talking to them this morning. And on the other side of that door, other people are experiencing what you want to experience. Everybody that's got a room has a room. They're out of the elements. And when you're longing for a spouse or you're longing for healing and on the other side of the door, you see people that are well and you see people that have a home. And if you're longing for your womb to conceive and bring forth a child, every invitation you get to a baby shower does two things. It thrills you and it kills you because the thing that you want other people have No room in the most critical of times, in the most sensitive time, in the most helpless time. No room in a time where all they really needed was a room. It's just a simple thing. It's just a meager thing, an unassuming thing, a basic thing. So whether I'm speaking to new believers of those of you that have been walking with the Lord like myself for 20 plus years, you need to know that closed doors, uh, 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 no room seasons are common to the Christian. But that's not all there is to your Christian life. It is part of the journey. It is not the destination of the journey. And for every closed door in your life, listen to your pastor, there's an open one right around the corner. Number two, closed doors sound like thunder. Bam, open doors are kind of just, but closed doors, bam. Some of you have experienced that in your dating life at the front door. You'll get it later. I've experienced it. Fellas, anybody else remember? Bam. That was nice. All right. Talk to you later. Good talking to you. When Joseph asked the men, I want a room for my wife and I, and he said, I'm sorry, there's no room. Are you sure? There's no room for you. Bam. Sounded like thunder. I can imagine it was the last thing he expected to hear. It was most assuredly disappointing. And the reason it was disappointing is because there were no other options. I did not notice until preparing for this message If you search out this story, I always assumed there were several inns because you can just go down the street here at at Arkwright and there's four, five, six hotels, La Quinta, Chachinta, uh, Garden, Garden Inn, multiple gardens, courtyard. There's all the different hotels. 
It said there was no room for them in the inn. So in this small little village where he went to be taxed, it was this or nothing. And I just know in my heart there's someone here today that the thing, when you got this no, whether it was a doctor's report, whether it was something that happened in your family or in a relationship, when you got this no, there are no other options. And when you get a no, when there's no other options, it sounds like thunder in your ears. I'm sure it made them feel powerless. I'm sure it made them feel insignificant. I'm sure it made them feel anxious and maybe even angry. I am most assured that it confused them, filled with the question of why. Joseph's thinking, I'm obeying God. I'm obeying the government. I've come to my hometown to be taxed. None of this is for me. I don't have a dog in this fight. I cannot for the life of me figure out why in perfect obedience it comes to this closed door. Why this? Why now? And why us? Have you ever felt like this? I just brought this out of my spirit. You may have no experience of this, but those of us that have, it'll make you feel better. Is it too much to ask on the night my son is to be born to at least have a safe, sanitary, private place for us? Have you ever thought or prayed anything like that? No, y'all are good Pharisees. Y'all won't say it. Y'all, you just think it. Is it too much to ask, Lord, for this? So if I identify with you on the first couple of points, you know I'm going to come around and give you the other side of the coin because if God is anything, he's balanced. He's not going to tell you Pollyanna, uh, pie, pie in the sky. He's going to let you experience life just like the son of God did. And Jesus came in the world on a no. And it sounded like thunder to his earthly father. It sounded like thunder to his earthly mother. And in the womb, they tell us that children hear in the womb. That's why mamas talk to them and sing to them, right? They say they do. Could it be that one of the first cognitive words Jesus heard was a no? I don't know. I will tell you this. Closed doors are only experienced by those who are looking for an open one. Now, I want everybody to really pay careful attention. Not that you weren't, but I want you to interact with me. And under your breath or in your mind, I want you to answer these. What room are you looking for today? Is it a room of companionship? where you don't find someone to love, you find the one to love and share your life with? Are you looking for a room of healing where God's power meets your sickness and your infirmity? A room where God's supply meets your lack and insufficiencies? Are you looking for a room that will save your marriage and your home? Are you looking for a room that will heal your relationships and restore your soul? What type of room are you looking for today? Do you need a room filled with peace to soothe your soul? Do you need a room with a view, a view of brighter days and a brighter tomorrow? Do you need a room where you can be alone, unplug and find balance again? Or are you looking for any other room? I've been there as a Christian. Jesus, if Jesus experienced this, you know we're going to need night classes. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if there's any other way, 
any other path, I'll take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. You know what he was saying? Any room. You just pick a room for me and I'll take it. Only people who are looking for rooms can experience no room. Maybe some of us today feel like Mary and Joseph. We feel like what we're asking of God is a small thing. We feel like what we're asking of God, other people have found. But all we hear from heaven or all we hear in the earth is there is no room for you. I know what you're thinking, so I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Don't tell me God will give me something else just as good. I know what I need. I know what I want. And it's not too much to expect such basic provision. You're right. You know your pastor's crazy, don't you? I just have that little side where the mind just goes off to planet Zorba and it thinks through all these different things. But it does every now and then give me new thoughts. And I love people that have new thoughts. I can't stand meeting somebody I knew five years ago and they're still talking the same, telling the same stories, the same jokes. Don't say nothing, Kylie. Can't, they need some new, some new, excuse me. Now you got me coughing. But I, I was thinking, what was it really like at the hotel desk? Now, see, some of y'all are good Christians till somebody pushes your button. And some of you take, there's no room for you, and you see the two keys. Well, now they don't have keys. Now we've got electronic fobs and everything. But those of us, well, you see the keys hanging up, and they say, there's no room for you. Some of us men have the Joseph personality. Some of us have like, uh, you know, Guido the hitman personality, and we're going to reach over the counter and take the keys. But can you imagine Joseph there leaning in and goes, uh, come here, what's your name? Come here. My name's Norma. Norma. Norma, let me talk to you just a minute. Since you're not aware of what's going on, I'm going to break it down for you. My wife, who's puddled up in the floor, she's having a baby. She's having a baby. And she's not having a baby. She's having Messiah! So look on your little roll over here and bump the Joneses or the Browns or some common folk here so we can buy a break up in the end. Have you ever felt like, now I was joking, but I want to tie it to something serious, that other people that don't even have a true need get it, and you're on the other side of a closed door? Let me tell you this now that we turn this card around and show you how great God is. Closed doors make it easier to find the open ones. Glory to my God. Narrow pathways lead to specific destinations. I thank the Lord this morning publicly for every closed door that he planned or allowed. Because I have found his grace richest in the things he's kept from me than the things he's given to me. When you get to heaven, you're going to look back and realize not just the path that he made for you, but the path he kept you from. Do I have any sisters in this house that look at your high school and early college pictures and you thought he was the one and today you're saying, thank you, Lord, that you kept me from that right there. Huh? He was the one and now you see who he is. You go, Jesus, keep me near the cross. You're just happy to be God's because he kept you from that. 
You say, well, John, that doesn't apply because they really did need a room. Wait a minute. We're, we're getting there. What you may not have noticed and was since there was only one in and the door was closed, they are now forced to look somewhere else. When there's no room where you're looking in the inner motel, then you must search out, find, and be willing to accept what was available. I'm not talking about settling for less than God's best. I'm not talking about since this relationship closed that now you just go find someone. No. What I'm talking about is not settling for less than God's best. What I'm talking about is adjusting on the path of his divine will for your life. Just because there is no room doesn't mean there aren't any rooms. Just because there's no room doesn't mean there aren't any rooms. Follow with me. The closed door to the inn turned them toward the open door of the manger. Stay with me. It was a private place. It was a humble place. It was a predetermined place. And just because we're surprised doesn't mean that God was surprised. Because in his omniscience, he knew that this night would happen the way it happens. And sometimes just that knowledge that God knows, just that phrase, you get to it and it hits or the doctor's report hits or the promotion's not offered or the relocation didn't happen and it hits and then you go, but God knows. It's a predetermined place. Isn't it something that while they're thinking little boy, God's thinking lamb. And lambs aren't born in hotels. Lambs are born in mangers. Jesus, the living bread, born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Could it be that this odorous, disappointing place was predetermined by God so that when his glory shines in this place, it's going to be against a solid, unappealing backdrop which steals no glory from him when he does what he's going to do. This place was a holy place. And it would become, if you're taking notes, this is critical, it would become an unforgettable place. Not because it was bad, but because of the things that happened in it. This manger is a place with no beauty. Let's walk in. Cows, and with cows go cows, you know, horses, sheep, maybe oxen. Only God can birth beauty where there is none. And it takes faith to see that when you are alone. It takes faith to see a, a, someone that loves you wholeheartedly and committed to no one but you. It takes faith to see your house filled with laughter when your womb is closed. It takes faith to breathe in the odor of your own disappointment and say, as the Lord liveth, God can bring beauty out of this, in this, for his glory. God is not limited to the room or the lack of the room. God makes rooms when there aren't rooms. 
You have a creative God and we're, we're, we're noticing the discomfort of the journey, but God's scripting your story. And it's the mangers. When I look back over my life, it's the mangers that when I tell the story, my face lights up and my eyes fill with tears. And I talk about how in the middle of horrible, in the middle of odorous environment, he birthed some of the most beautiful things of my life. I know by the time I leave this world, y'all are going to be so tired of my stories, but they're the only ones I got. (laughs) Sterile since I was a little boy. I can't have kids. I'm never going to have a child unless the Lord intervenes and decides to with my DNA. He's not going to have my blood. And for a man, you know, the women have their own longings to be a mother, but to have your boy, you know? And so you have this backdrop of closed door. So, and I'm not trying to be crass or crude, but I want you to see the impossibility of it. Like there are no other hotels. So I go and get my exam and they get the sample and they, they test it. And men are supposed to have a couple hundred thousand in one sample. They said, you have none. I'm like, oh, I got some. I said, no, you don't have any. Oh, So in essence, what you're telling me is for me to produce a boy or a girl, it would be the same as if my wife was never with me and just got pregnant. Yes. You'll never have one. Now from that backdrop, a couple of cities away are two little girls be informed in the belly of someone else. And you'll never, you're not going to trip me and think that I've got this, well, I just settled. Hear me, hear me well. Put the camera on me and quote me. John, I'll give you and Kelly a creative miracle right now. A boy that looks just like you, but the two girls, nope, nope. If I never have a child, I am good because what was born in the manger of sterility is greater than anything I could have ever dreamt in my life. He brings beauty. He brings beauty there. This isn't my story. This isn't Mary and Joseph's story. It's all of our story. Mangers aren't beautiful, but beauty is born in them. It's a place of humility that's later filled with glory. It's a place they would have never thought of, but soon became a place they would never forget. That's probably one of my favorite lines in this message. They would have never thought of a manger. But looking back now, we tell the story. I'll be reading the story to my little girls Christmas Eve. Born in a manger. And then God's telling them, you'll find them in a manger. Telling the shepherds, you'll find them in a manger. Why is this manger thing so critical? Part of God's plan, part of God's plan, because it's all connected to the future. And Mary and Joseph don't know it. And I may be getting ahead of myself in my sermon, but it's all connected to your future because later on, Jesus is going to say around the 33rd year, he's going to say, birds have the uh, nest and foxes have holes, but the son of man don't even have a place to lay his head. The son of man, I started out poor so you could be rich and it's all tied together and God's orchestrating this thing for you, but you've got to see past what you smell. 
And you got to see past what you didn't get. And you got to give God the true reins and let him lead you into some places that you would have never chose for yourself because the greatest faith in your life does not come by you taking calculated risk. Some of the greatest faith you express is when you look for God in the worst of places. Finally, closed doors push you to places you would have never gone to give you a history you would have never obtained. Mangers are almost always unexpected. Well, I didn't expect this one. Name one manger that was expected. And they're never sought out. Did you notice in Matthew 2, 11, it says that the wise men came to their house? House, yeah. They may have spent time in a manger, but God didn't make them live there. This little place you're in is just a season, baby. It's got its own glory. See, you're gonna come out. You're either gonna come out with resentment or you're gonna come out with glory. The key to Christianity is living where you live. Can you find God in mangers? Can you find joy in your circumstances? Can you find pleasure even in in difficult spots? God said, I got a house for you, but you're going to learn things in the manger that you'd never learn in the house. And you're going to learn things in the house that you'd never learn in the manger. That's why I'm going to let you experience both. If our musician would come please this morning. Mangers are places where you learn that you could live without the thing you thought you couldn't live without. Well, we can't just give birth in the open air. Excuse me. I can't do this. You'd say, I, I can't do this with this, th- what I have right here. I, I, I got to have more than what I have going for me. I, Lord, there's no, I'm not meeting anyone here. I, God, I, I can't do without this. Well, when God says you're going, when God tells you no room for you right here, please hear this. That don't mean there's no room. It just means not right here. Mangers are places that help you reassess and clarify what is important. When he gave birth, when she gave birth and Joseph was standing there, if you were able to come and interview him and said, how are you about the room thing? He'd have said, baby, you good? Is Jesus good? What would he say? We're good. Mangers have a way of letting you see what's really important. And yeah, we got to have a good car. And yes, we want our kids in a good school. Yes, we want all of that. But when you nail it down and when you narrow it down, baby, are you good? Is Jesus good? We're good. Mangers have a way of teaching you what you really got to have. Anybody else can bear witness this? The older you get, you realize it's not things, it's peace. Just peace. Just want peace in my house. Mangers assault our pride and are the perfect backdrop for God's glory in our life. Mangers remind us that narrow pathways lead to specific destinations. I shared that with you. 
We don't have the luxury of picking these seasons or places. God controls that. Looking back, there are few things more precious and real than time spent in mangers. And don't forget that when God shuts a door, you are actually staring at the hands of God. Man, I couldn't wait to get this part of the service and talk to you. No room. What was that? What was what? That thing you just did. See, Christians see God's hand in their life in everything. For there to be no room, you close this door. So I am staring at the hand of God. And the same God that closes a door, opens a door. Now watch. So they're in the manger. The baby is born. And the Lord appears to them. Vision, a dream, an age. I don't remember which, but he told him, he said, now... You got to, once they got to the house, you got, you got to get out of town because this crazy king is going to start killing children and stay gone till I tell you. So what's that? That's an open door. Other children died. Other children died. And there was a voice heard in Ramah, Rachel weeping for children. All children under two died. But what was a no to him Joseph and Mary was a yes later that other people didn't experience. Now, may I very gently correct just a little bit? Be careful when you judge what other people have that you don't have, because right around the corner, you may get a grace that they never experience. So it's not about them. So I thank the Lord today for closed doors. I choose to see him and find him. And knowing that that same hand that guided me into a manger, watch, guided me into safety and me and my, my, my wife and my baby made it out because God orders your steps. So this morning, to the disappointed, to the lonely, to the hurting, to the confused, to the anxious, Make you a straw bed. Do what you got to do. Have your baby. Take your family out of that manger. And rest assured that God is not mocking you. He's writing your story. And every story has a manger. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but there are people that you got a letter this morning from the Lord. And it reads, I know exactly where you are. If that's you with no one looking around, I just want you to stand and stand and let him know, I know you're talking to me. And I receive it this morning. No looking around, nobody looking around. Would you just lift your hands to him and tell him, in your words, where you are and how you feel. Like, lead me, Lord Jesus. Just guide me, Lord Jesus. I trust you. I trust you. Fill this place with your beauty, Lord. This isn't what I planned, but I'll have a baby right here, Lord. Right here. Where you lead me, I will follow you. Glory to the Lord.
glory to the Lord. Church family, would the rest of you stand with us this morning? I know this is a very familiar story to you, but we have a lot of guests with us today. And I just feel prompted to close with this. And I'll give you the brief version. My father, Roger and Sandra, arrived at Kennestone Hospital in Marietta some 51 years ago to give birth to me. They were told that your son is a waterhead child. And when, he, when I was born, they said, he'll never live today. And my father said, well, what if he does? And he said, your boy will never live. What if he does? And he said, your boy will never have the mentality of a three-year-old because his brain doesn't work. Your boy's retarded, really. He just, he's not going to make it. My daddy went to the basement of his church, a little small, agey church, and spent a few days alone with the Lord. And he wasn't twisting God's arm to get him to do something. He was wrestling out this manger thing, see? Following a star, finding a stable. What's going on with this? I'm preaching your word in this backwater church. I'm doing all I know to do and, you know. And once he got through all the stuff, here it is. He says, okay, whatever you do, I'm your boy and I'm going to follow you. And I worship you. I love you. You don't owe me nothing. But Lord, if he lives, I need you to open the door of healing for him. <laughs> I'm not asking you to keep us from the manger, but do something good in the manger. The Lord spoke to him and said, go pick him up. He's well. They'd already written out my birth certificate, my death certificate, and had not put in the date and time. And when they got there, the, the doctor and nurse said, Brother Wood, we don't know. I know, I, I know he's well. He's well. And what I love to tell people is, I may not be brilliant, but I got it all over a three-year-old. <laughs> I got it all over a three-year-old. <laughs> the key for you is, are you going to be the one that kicks the hay and cusses? Or are you going to know that God is watching and just make your bed and do what you have to do? And glory is coming. Believe it. In Jesus' name. Merry Christmas. God bless you today.